Hello and welcome to Nikon Report, your weekly podcast and broadcast of all the latest Nikon news and all other photographic announcements that we found interesting. Here's Constant and here is Becky. Yay! <laughs> Not many news this week, but uh, let's talk about new interview that was published by business magazine, uh, Japanese magazine Nikkei, mm-hmm. uh, which basically says literally the same thing that Nikon told us four months ago, no, four weeks ago. So it's not new news. It's not new news, but it's a reassurance that uh, for things to come. Mm-hmm. So in recent interview, uh, Nikon CFO Munaraki Tokunari confirmed that at least 12 new lenses are planned for the next fiscal year. Next fiscal year starts in April this year and ends in March next year. Yeah, that's very exciting. According to the article, Tokunari reiterates, reiterates, yeah, that's the word, (laughs) that the company expects to post a total loss of around 42 billion Japanese yen, which is equivalent roughly of 387 million by the end of this year, due to impairment loss on factory equipment in the imaging business, including cameras, and the loss of disposal and valuation of inventory assets, including semiconductor manufacturing equipment in the precision products business. Now, this is all Japanese translated. Mm-hmm. So, do with um, as you will. Is that <laughs> do, what you're saying? Do with it. Do with it. What you will. Do what, what you, you will. Want. Do what you will with this information. All right. Basically, what they're trying to do is they're trying to put all their losses mm-hmm. all together. Okay. So normally, what the companies want to do is they want to spread the losses according to different years so they don't have to show it in the balance books. It looks mm, better. Yes. But I think what Nikon is trying to do is actually put everything, like have a one bad year, but then... Here it is. Yeah, that's it. Here it is. This year was yeah. was a complete rubbish year. <laughs> exactly. This is the bottom. Yeah. It's only way up from here. So, yeah. so that's what they're trying to do. And actually, this also, what Tom Hogan was saying about three weeks ago, we discussed that, where he says they're actually holding on to announcements for the mm-hmm. releases. So mm-hmm. they kind of want to have this year finished. Yes. And then from April, start to go aggressively with the new releases. Yeah. On a kind of unofficial bit of information that that goes alongside that, we've been told by the people that we can be told these things by, mm-hmm. um, that hopefully stock, that they expect that stock will start to resume normality in April as well. So uh-huh. I think that this will contribute to the overall, things will be better from April, people. Mm. The weather gets better. It does. The new lenses and cameras will come out. Exactly. We're so excited about that. Absolutely. And then obviously he goes into saying the same things as they said in the past, that they're doing restructuring and they already cut costs by 47 billion Japanese yen already. And then they want to cut them short by another 16 billion for next year. So mm-hmm. that makes it about 63 billion for the total two years. And what they say, if we do this, then we should be profitable next year with the sales volume below of 150 billion yen. Right. So basically the same thing what they said in uh, their uh, Q3 financial report. That's right. They also point out that high-end mirrorless models are selling well and that increasing the supply of these is their priority. It's their top priority, which is good news for us, certainly because although we now have ample stock of the Z6 II, we have been seeing issues with the Z7 IIs, for example, Mm -hmm. and a few other bits and pieces, mirrorless lenses, All of that is slowly coming back into stock now, but the priority being on supply is definitely helpful for us. I think 
when new items are announced, it's good to catch those kind of early adopters. And if we don't have the stock, then we can't do that. Absolutely. And then coming back to the lenses, so they are expecting to release 12, yeah. 12 lenses this year. It's Which almost is... one for each month of the year. Not 10, not 11, but 12. So it's almost like one lens for each month of the year, mm -hmm. which is really good. And that will push the number of known lenses in Z-series lineup from 27 to 30. So that means that, again, we will see three lenses that haven't been announced yet. Yes, I was also going to say on the roadmap that we're showing right now, you can see, I think it's 11 lenses, uh, but I don't know if these will change. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. Yeah. It's always good when we're good with math, isn't it? <laughs> 12 years in school have done nothing to me. <laughs> I'm actually just pressing the wrong buttons. Okay, it's fine. Carry on. It's fine. It's been ruined from the start anyway. <laughs> but coming back, basically, we've learned nothing from this article. It's just another article to Business Magazine. Basically, what that means, it, they don't provide any details on what actually what lenses will be published. No. But because it's a business publication, it's, a, it's effectively a publication for investors, mm. not photographers, not you or me. Well, you don't know there might be investors Exactly, watching. but investors like you and me. <laughs> From a different standpoint, it's very interesting. But exactly. no, it, it's, it's true that you say it's not new news necessarily, mm -hmm. but it does reaffirm what we heard already. And it also means that as far as we know, Nikon's plans haven't changed exactly. so far. So, you know, that's... We can take that away from it. Absolutely. And investors probably don't read Nikon rumors. No. Or listen to our podcast. I so, don't know. Well, you never know. And especially if you're Japanese and you want to learn English, why not? Yeah. No, not from us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not from me, definitely. But here we are. Um, another reassurance that we'll see new products coming out soon. Yes. All right. Next up, we have a new Nikon EN EL 18D battery registered in Russia. Ooh, from Russia with love. What, what is it with? Anyway. <laughs> so reported by Japanese website uh, Nokishita, mm -hmm. our guess is that it will be a Z9 battery with direct charging and power delivery. So with all the bells and whistles that all the current ENL15C batteries have effectively. Yeah, exactly. This is something that was tweeted by Nokishita. Yes, thank you. Which shows, as you can see with the red underline there in the picture, the ENL 18D. And actually, we predicted this when we were talking about the Z9, weren't we? But I don't see any bears or balalaikas in the background. So I'm not sure if it's Russian. So it might not actually be legit. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Another news from Japan. The Japanese website called Sankei Biz published some new data on the total number of cameras produced in 2020. So it's not the total number sold, mm. but total number produced. Mm -hmm. So according to the Japanese research firm Technosystem, I love the name, Technosystem, okay. um, Sony produced 1.15 million mirrorless cameras in 2020. Now, Canon is second with 1.05 million cameras, followed by Nikon with 250,000 cameras. So that's out of total 3.26 million mirrorless cameras produced in 2020. It's actually very odd when you look at those figures that, that Nikon only produced a quarter of a million cameras versus over a million from Canon and Sony, mm -hmm. and it makes me wonder why. Why the huge discrepancy in those figures? I mean, what are Canon and Sony producing that... Do they have a bigger range of cameras than Nikon? No, they just make many of them. Okay. More than Nikon. <laughs> Interesting. Well, now, 
let's think about DSLR shipments. Okay. So out of to total 2.39 million DSLR cameras produced, Canon had 1.71 million and Nikon had 650,000. Okay. Now, here's where it's confusing. So the, the, obviously Nikon produced 250,000 mirrorless cameras. So right. Nikon has been late into the game for mm -hmm. mirrors. Mm -hmm. So again, that's to do with the, you know, 250,000 figures compared to let's say 1.05 million by Canon. So that's thing number one. Now, keep in mind the whole drama on the internet last week was they were figures published by BCN Rankings. It's another Japanese uh, company that reports on the, on the on the, uh, sales figures in Japan. So we have SEPA. Yes. And then we have BCN Rankings. Okay. Now, they reported figures for the last year where they put all the sales of cameras. Uh, I think it was Sony, Canon, Fuji, and Olympus on the first four, and Nikon wasn't even there. Oh, I see. And that's created the whole drama of people saying, oh, Nikon is dying again, et cetera, et cetera, which... <laughs> You know, I'm kind of getting tired of this. Yes. So, so the thing about this is, A, those figures come from the places like Japanese curries and, you know, PC World and basically big supermarkets. They don't actually list um, small retailers or small dealers right. that normally professional stores or keen enthusiasts tend to buy from. Yes. So think about this. Yeah, it's you go to some sort of curries and you just buy a camera in there. So... Yes, I suppose you could also equate it to people who buy their cameras off, let's say, Amazon, for mm -hmm. example, versus people who go to retailers. Obviously, in the UK, there are far fewer retailers these days mm -hmm. than than there are maybe, I don't know, in comparison to Japan and in the US, but we have smaller markets. Mm -hmm. And then the people that go and buy from Amazon and from, let's say, John Lewis yeah. and the more generic department yeah. store buy anything are not the serious photographers. Exactly. And then from that point of view, so if Nikon made 250000 which is on the third place mm -hmm. of a mirrorless market, mm -hmm. so Fuji's behind, Olympus is behind, mm -hmm. right? And then we add on top of it the DSLR sales that none of the other manufacturers except Canon and Nikon do manufacture those cameras. Yes. So, so in terms of this, then... Canon manufactured 1.71 million DSLRs and Nikon had another 650,000. Right. So those figures, BCM rankings doesn't report. Mm -hmm. So a lot of nonsense that we had on the internet is effectively... Nonsense. <laughs> are you surprised? <laughs> Honestly, though, uh, are you surprised? No, no, not really. Uh, go read Nikon Rooms. Go read Tom Hogan literally debunking the whole thing. So do have a look at it. Honestly, I'm quite tired reporting on the thing. So we're just going to move on from that. We're going to move on. Next up, Jessup's calls in the administrators for the second time in just over a year. Now, this is not surprising news just for the simple reason that of all the industries that have been affected the worst by everything that's happened this past 12 months plus, mm -hmm. uh, retail as well as hospitality and tourism are the hardest hit industries. So we, in an article by The Guardian, they say, camera retailer Jessup's is to appoint administrators for the second time in little more than a year in a move that puts 120 jobs at risk. The business, controlled by Dragon's Den panelist Peter Jones, said it had filed a notice to appoint administrators after being hit hard by lockdown restrictions. So 
Yeah, very sad to hear. Yeah, absolutely. They did say the company is working uh, with restructuring firm FRP on a rescue plan. However, its stores, including flagships on London's Oxford Street and in Birmingham, will reopen when government restrictions are lifted next month. And the website will continue to trade as normal. So at least that's good news for them there. Well, hopefully they'll get it sorted. Exactly. All right, let's get back to Nikon. Mm-hmm. So Nikon updated a troubleshooting guide for their Z-series cameras. Mm-hmm. In some of the questions that have frequently been asked, they've added new explanations on how to solve the issues. Excellent. For example, the camera won't turn on. That's a, definitely an important one to know how to solve. Yeah. I mean, try to turn it on and off again. <laughs> don't think that's what they said, but anyway. The battery runs down quickly is another one, uh, the question that we often get asked, just because mm-hmm. obviously there are so many features on Z series cameras that can be... Uh, causing batteries to drain very quickly. That's true. Uh, we also have things like autofocus failing to function and uh, function is enabled but the subject is out of focus or pictures lacking definition. Pictures contain dark spots. Mm. Burst photography continue shooting is not available. That's right. Settings cannot be changed. Well, that's an interesting Oh, one. that's a good one. Is um, there like a lock button that yeah. locks everything? Uh, who knows? We should read the article. Yeah, I mean, I haven't found one, but maybe they know. Um, also, pictures affected by dust. Ooh, yeah, that's a big one. So if you are interested in any of that, do go and check out the troubleshooting guide for Z-series cameras. This can be found on the support page for your model yes. and also under the articles that are listed on the Nikon Imaging Support website. So don't take your screwdriver out and a hammer. Go read the article first. <laughs> Not just yet. Okay. Company C&C released a water housing for Z6 Mark II and Z7 Mark II cameras. Do you mean an underwater housing? Yes. Okay, just checking. So this underwater housing will probably retail for between $3,500 to Mm $4,000, we expect. Obviously, it's not out yet. But if you are planning to do underwater photography with your Z camera, then C&C are the top of their game for underwater Are the ones to get in the sea. They are. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It does sound like a jingle, you know. CNC um, are the ones for you to get in the sea when you need to dive in the sea. <laughs> yeah. Um, in my head, it was a little smoother, though. Yeah, I know. Sorry. It's fine. Speaking of dust on your sensor, there is a filter you can put inside your mirrorless camera. Yes, we got sent this by a viewer. Did you not know? You're this? kidding me. No. Oh. Oh, I thought you used it. I thought it was just in use, and you already have one. I already had this. So, okay, well, let me read the news first, and then you tell us I about your experience. I don't remember who it was. No, I don't have it, but a guy sent me the link for it, and I need to order it. Okay, all right. Well, Yoshimi Camera released a clip filter for Nikon Z cameras, which is installed inside of the camera. Can you self-install it? Yes. So it comes with a little tool that allows you to push it inside. The lineup includes ND filters, Astro filters, infrared pass, and IV infrared cut 615 nanometers, and retail between 14,000 yen and 45,000 yen, excluding tax. Now, they're all compatible with the full frame Z cameras as well as the X. Do we know how much that is in pounds? Uh, I can tell you by using Google GBP to yen. It's yen to GBP. Okay. And then, 
do it the slowest way possible. Or if you just Google like 15,000 yen or whatever it was to pound. All right, so 15,000 yen, that's X lot, is £9.91. That's no, it's cheap. 1,500 yen. Okay, so it's 19. <laughs> so it's, it's about £100 for the cheapest one. Okay. Okay, that's excluding tax. So we add another 20%, and about £300 for the most expensive one. Okay. Now, the interesting thing about those filters is obviously I thought, okay, so you put it inside the camera. So that, the good thing about this is it protects the camera from dust. Mm -hmm. And uh, Z-series cameras, as soon as you take the lens off, they're pretty much exposed yes. to the dust. So that's very interesting. And another thing I thought, well, what happens if you use some sort of like fisheye lenses and other things? And what they say is, yeah, actually for something like really wide angle and shooting into the sun, you may get a bit of flaring issues. Okay, that's good to know though. For our point of discussion this week, uh, this is based off an article that actually Petapixel published, yeah. which you dug out, where they said urban hubs are no longer a living requirement for creative success. Now, this isn't something I hadn't really considered mm -hmm. up until now. Obviously, having been someone who lived in London for most of my life and then mm -hmm. moved out of London, mm -hmm. I don't find it restrictive to be in the wilds of West Sussex. Okay. <laughs> But if, but I'm also not a commercial photographer. Yeah, where is West Sussex? Is it in France? Timbuktu. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I can commute straight to work. It's great. Okay. Was it Eurostar? <laughs> yeah. Two hours from Paris? Yes. Okay. Um, so what I would say is that if you are a commercial photographer, do you think you still need to live in the city in order to take advantage of the contacts and the networking and the opportunities? Okay, well, let's look at, kind of from different points of view yeah mm -hmm. if you okay if you shoot fashion mm -hmm. if you shoot commercial photography like advertising okay i believe you still have to be in the big hubs like london paris new york etc etc sure uh a because all the creative agencies advertising agencies are here model agencies all the fashion publications are here mm. uh to get poor people from makeup artists and let's say art directors you have to be close to yes. a big city so for anything else, I would say you, you don't really need to be. You can be a very successful wedding photographer yeah. in, you know, uh, and shoot locally. Yes. You don't need to be in London for that. That's very true. However, yeah. I will say, just before I forget my train of thought, mm -hmm. um, if you have a team of people that you like to work with, mm -hmm. for example, I, um, I did a beauty shoot down in Sussex, mm -hmm. not last summer now, the summer mm -hmm. before, the models was the trickiest thing, but stylist um, and wardrobe, I just worked with people that I know from the local area mm -hmm. that I work very well with mm -hmm. and also um, an assistant for lighting. So mm -hmm. actually, if you if you put together a team, yes. potentially yeah. in your local area, you don't need to be so close to London. However, if you don't like the people <laughs> that work near you, then... It's a bit of... If you don't like where you are, <laughs> it's good to go to a big city. Yeah, and I yeah. can see that you'd have more diversity, more difference of opinions, yeah. and in in a good yeah. way. I think from another point of view, the reason why you want to be close is because all the new opportunities I can create. Because you do one shoot, and then you can go to another shoot. Yeah, and just that so you can quickly move up from let's say shooting local people to shooting celebrities etc yeah. and that's where let's say uh being in a big cup is very important i mean i come from a small town in russia and for me uh we didn't have any photography courses in where you know in my small town mm -hmm. so my original plan was 
um, to go to Moscow, St. Petersburg to study. Right. And somehow I ended up in London studying photography. Via New York. And via New York, exactly, because that's the direct way. <laughs> it's the easiest so, way to get from Russia exactly. to London. <laughs> so you overflow London and then you just come back. <laughs> easy peasy. You yeah. Know? But from that point of view, I mean, nowadays, I'd say that, yes, if you're doing something locally, you can still be successful. You can still run let's say, portrait studio successfully. Mm -hmm. You know, you can still be, let's say, a landscape photographer and sell your prints online. Sure. With the accessibility of the internet, um, it's so easy to pr promote yourself over all sorts of social networks like Instagram and Facebook and uh, YouTube. And then at the same time, you can work with local people and create art. It's kind of, the, at this point, yeah. it's your yourself is pretty much your own limit, isn't it? So Yeah, I would I would look at it in two ways. Either, and there's pros and cons to both, but living in a big city is, right, is the right fit for a lot of people, particularly in the commercial area. But yeah. also, I think if you are limited by not being able to afford rent, London rent is very expensive. It is very expensive. Um, transport in and out of London and around London can be very expensive. Parking is blimmin' nightmare. Um, there's a number of uh, there's a number of reasons why working in London can be a bit of a headache, yeah. and you might potentially find opportunities. It might encourage you to find opportunities closer to home. Mm -hmm. Similarly, if you can't find opportunities closer to home, if you're in London, you're kind of like in the thick of it and and have more opportunities potentially. That's true. So I mean, paying there's... rent in lockdown is quite a lot. And lots of us yes. have a bit of reduction in our work, coming yeah. work. Yes. For example, yeah. I've had a few photographers who shoot bands for a living or mm -hmm. musicians mm -hmm. or they do weddings mm -hmm. we have a massive wedding venue mm -hmm. um in fact a few of them very very close to us that i know the owners and the photographer they have a it's co-owned by a photographer actually mm -hmm. and she normally does all the wedding photography for the for the weddings that they book okay they've had no weddings for a, over for a year. That's true. Basically. So you can't shoot weddings or bands or wedding bands together. No, none okay. of those. And uh, I know a lot of photographers who rely on that as a source of income have branched out to shooting wildlife mm -hmm. or doing stock photography or product photography. Separately, if you're if you are a product photographer mm -hmm. and that's your profession, or a jewelry photographer or food photographer, mm -hmm. then you can pretty much live anywhere you like. Yeah, just, you know, call Jamie Oliver, come over, style food for me. Yeah, or Let's do some shoot. Or if you're Donna Cruz, then you can yeah. actually cook your own amazing food and then you have your home studio right there and you can pretty much live anywhere you like. Here we go, folks. Tell us what you think about this. Do you think that you need to be in a big hub like London or New York to be a successful photographer or you can run it locally? For your weekend read and watch segment, the World Nature Photography Awards, WNPAs, recently announced the winners and runners-up of their 2020 competition. We will pop the link for that in the description box and in the podcast notes for you. Ooh, lots of wildlife on display. Mm -hmm. Speaking of wildlife, there is a video published by DP Review, which is called Recording Bounce bugs with a phantom camera at 73,000 frames per second. Wowza. So they have to shoot that high just to see how they move because it's a tiny bug, it's on the water, yeah. and it jumps up and spinning backwards. Oh, wow. It can jump up about 50 times of its own height. Amazing. Well, Amazing. do check that out. We also have Elliot Errett or Erwitt, we haven't decided how to pronounce his surname yet, uh, in an article called, In my 90s, my work looks different than I've ever seen it before. 
What can we expect to see in that article? Well, it's published by Financial Times and it's Elliot himself talks about how his photography evolved throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have 100 camera angles, shots and movements in filmmaking by Wolf Crow, which is a YouTube video and could be very interesting if you find different camera angles interesting. Absolutely. For us photographers who find it difficult to get into video side of things, mm. I think it's quite interesting to see what other common angles videographers use. Yes. Here we go. That's a good weekend watch for you. Should keep you busy. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you not next week. Oh. A new bit of news. We will not be doing a live stream on Friday as it is Good Friday and the shop will not be open. We will also be closed for the Easter bank holiday on Monday, so we won't have an opportunity to record the podcast next week. So the next time you'll be able to see us is Friday the uh, 9th of (laughs) April. Friday the 9th of April, where we will be back for another live stream and we look forward to seeing you in the virtual. Freshly recharged. Yes, we will be recharged. We will get our creative juices flowing again. Hopefully. On the streams of YouTube. Thank you very much for watching and or listening. Please do give us a like, a subscribe. And if you're listening to us on a podcast platform, give us a follow and perhaps a review as well. We would very much appreciate it. See you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.